I love the double entendre in the title, Ferguson Rises. You know, the idea that, yes, Ferguson is being raised to the ground. At the same time, Ferguson is, is rising high out of the ashes of this darkness that has been exacted on the people of Ferguson by the police officers and this history of racism and, and bias. Hello and welcome to Here's to Life with Tori Reid, presented by Victory and Noble, a storytelling company with executive producer Patrick Howe. Here's to Life with Tori Reid was brought to you in part by... We are pleased to share that we are staying healthy and hydrated throughout this edition of Here's to Life with Tori Reid, courtesy of our partners at Vivro Water, a sustainable solutions company that mirrors our commitment to clarity, focus, and a better world. Vivro's water solutions for business have already helped divert tens of millions of wasteful plastic bottles from landfills and waterways. Every day, Vivro systems across the globe help forward-thinking companies transform their own on-premise water into a source for pure and reliable filtered hydration. Let Vivro help you and your business leave a legacy of stewardship, health, and wellness that will literally make you feel good inside. Go to VivroWater.com, V-I-V-R-E-A-U, water.com for more information. We want to, by Michael Brown's senior's example, we want to offer young black men the space to understand that you can be masculine you can be a man but you can also have feelings as well you know you, you can you know you don't you don't have to uh, be robbed of the three-dimensional nature of your humanity um you know you have you have the space and you have uh, and, and we want to honor uh your feelings um we want to support you in that and i think um michael brown senior does that in a way that um that i think um really allows sort of the Every man to um, to see the role that um, that he can that he can play in that um, in that um, you know in, in in dealing with trauma and supporting others in dealing with their trauma in a healthy way, right? You know, because there are there are lots of um, there are lots of options um, that one could choose, and um, and choosing the healthy response um, is is what some of our youth um, forget. Like they're they're responding. You know, via their emotions, via their their trauma, um, which is understandable. But we can also um, we can also make it to the other side. We can also experience um, you know uh, some sense of find some sense of purpose in that. And I think Michael Brown sets that example in a great way that we want to utilize this film to continue to do as well. This is filmmaker Mobilaji Olambiwanu using his filmmaking as a platform for social change in his Academy Award consideration film, Ferguson Rises. Ferguson Rises is the inspiring story of the residents of Ferguson, Missouri, a small town that suffered a powerful loss of a gentle giant, Mike Brown, and became the flashpoint for a modern-day civil rights movement. In part one of our two-part series with Ferguson Rises, we speak with Aloe Black, who is using his megaphone and international standing as a folksy singer and Grammy award-winning artist to underscore dignity and humanity of our universal movements towards humanity 
and a greater future. Themes of affirmation, inspiration, and motivation are present in his signature song, For Ferguson Rises. Let's listen to the entire interview. Thank you, Aloe Black. Thank you, Mobilaji, for being here today. We're going to start with Aloe Black. Aloe Black, Grammy-nominated musician, singer, songwriter, philanthropist, and activist. To me, Aloe Black is very grounded, emotional, profound, very passionate, highly respected, and has had an enormous amount of success. R&B, folksy, country, raised on genres like salsa, merengue, hip-hop. You cannot put this man in a box. He is not to be defined. He's timeless. He's priceless. He's a music maker. Many think he is the most underrated artist in history, and yet many think he is one of the greatest singers ever. Allo, your first award nomination was for Best International Breakthrough Act and Best International Male Solo Artist in 2012, I believe. Glad to have you here. You identify yourself as a son of Panamanians. You grew up in Orange County, and I think you see yourself as a citizen of the world. Am I correct with that? Absolutely. I I do see myself as a citizen of the world. When I grew up in Orange County, I was one of five Black kids at my school. And the Black experience that we all had was extremely different. You know, one of my friends is Nigerian, so his experience was different from mine being uh, Black Panamanian, more of a Latin experience in the home, which was different from the African-American friends whose families were in North America for potentially centuries, certainly for decades. And then when I graduated from high school, I went to university. When I graduated from university, I started traveling extensively. Every year I was somewhere else in the world during the summer or a winter. And I started to get a sense of the world outside of the small town that I was raised in, which I feel like I already had a glimpse of that because I'd visited Panama before and experienced my parents' homeland and upbringing. So I got to see growing up something different than what was portrayed on television and what was normal in my neighborhood. You sound like our exec producer, Patrick, who is a son of a Panamanian and a Trinidadian, and he had an experience like yours growing up around the world. And that's priceless. It really is. And I think it comes off through your the way that you tell stories and your art and your creativity. Yes, I've tried to use my voice in a way that is putting together words and emotions, feelings in a way that ties us all together. You know, I've made a point in my music not to genderize my songs. And I'm also just, you know, very aware that when I'm on stage, I'm seeing people from all walks of life, many different generations. And I want my songs to always resonate from the three-year-old to the 83-year-old. But you achieved that. Let's talk about your song, The Man First. That song is power. I was looking at the official video before we began, and I know that song peaked at number eight on the Billboard Hot 100 in the U.S. and then peaked within the top 10 charts in Australia, New Zealand, Ireland, and Sweden. I love that it gives tribute to our culture 
and our beloved figures of the 60s and 70s, from racial injustice to Malcolm X to Dr. King to Ali to Selma to the 1968 Olympic Black Power Salute. How did that all come to be? Yes, the music video pays homage to many of the folks that I consider to be the man or to have offered us as, uh, as, as Black people hope and pride, and they showed their determination in the face of adversity. The song is a song about self-motivation. When no one else is there to give you the pat on the back or the you know motivational speech, this is the song that you, you sing to yourself to give you that motivational speech. In the music video, I wanted to pay homage to figures like Martin Luther King, figures like Malcolm X, Muhammad Ali, who took on so much of the responsibility that I believe we all have to fight for justice, fight for rights and dignity of Black people, but beyond that, fight for the dignity of human beings. You know, if it, were, if it weren't for a figure like Muhammad Ali to change his name and to change his religion and to denounce his, the willingness to, to join the military and, and, um, and fight strangers and kill strangers, I don't know how many more years we would have been behind with our athletes and celebrities making these kinds of stands. You know, he had to break ground and really even break his career in order for all of us to have the comfort of doing it now. And we see it's still ongoing. There's still folks whose careers are broken because they take a stand. And, and those, are the, those are the kind of folks that this particular song was written for, uh, written about. And I feel like this video uh, helps to depict in a major way. As a recording artist, a major recording artist, I made a promise when I signed my label deal that I would use my voice for positive social transformation. And I get a chance to spend, you know, X amount of thousands of dollars to depict whatever I want associated to my music. And so when, with that, I recognize the megaphone that I have. And I, I try to associate my songs with some sort of uh, visual that is about either a nonprofit organization a social movement, or just a, a concept that is about dignity and humanity. And so this, this particular video was one of those opportunities. And as you were saying before, I don't really stick to any one particular genre, but I feel like the themes that I do best are themes of motivation, of affirmation, inspiration, and motivation. So I call, I call it AIM. Like my style of music is, is this acronym that I've divined after listening to myself for so long. Well, you lent your voice, your heart and soul to a thoughtful and very powerful song in the documentary Ferguson Rises, which is why we are here today. The Other Side, it was written for the film and it's creating visibility like the song Glory did for the movie Selma, which won Best Original Song for both an Academy Award and Golden Globe in 2015. How was creating and performing 
this particular song different or meaningful for you? Okay, so well, just to be clear, the song was written prior to the film, but I believe it's because of the the mind state that I'm in when I'm writing songs is very much the mind state of speaking words that I believe people need to hear and that could be comforting and that can elevate our existence. We we see in the film Ferguson Rises the tragedy of Michael Brown Jr.'s death, the murder by a police officer. We see the grief of his community, his mother, his father, and we recognize that life has to go on, but as life goes on, we have to make sure that we do not repeat the same traumas over and over again. And so what Ferguson Rises really is about is pushing for change so that we don't have to constantly be re-traumatized and we can make it to the other side of this trauma, not just getting through the grief that we feel. I don't think you can ever get over the death of a loved one. But if you can make it to the other side where that grief no longer brings a tear, the grief brings a smile, if that makes any sense. The memory of the person who is uh, no longer with us. And then also make it to the other side of the practices, the social norms, the injustices, making it to the other side of how we operate on a daily basis is really important. I love the double entendre in the title, Ferguson Rises. You know, the idea that, yes, Ferguson is being raised to the ground. At the same time, Ferguson is is rising high out of the ashes of this darkness that has been exacted on the people of Ferguson by the police officers and this history of racism and and bias. Your song, The Other Side, was written before the film and you just knew it would be a perfect fit and perfect score once you saw the film or how did that come to be? Yeah, I think more, I think Mobilaji probably recognized it. I had, um, I had written the song and recorded it. I put it on my album and Mobilaji was asking me to, to write a song for the film. And I hadn't, I hadn't come with a song yet, but he discovered the song on my album and felt that it, it really would fit the film. And so he was the music supervisor. He has, he, he plays all roles in this film. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to give give credit to to my wife as well, actually, because she was oh, listening okay. to so, the yes. album as well. And I and, I, and so so I, I was listening to, to other songs, and then she was listening to the to, to and she came across this song, and then and and then she was the first person to say, "Yeah, this is the one. I think this this is the one that works." And I was like, "Yes, that is the one that works." But so I have to give praises to her as well. Credit to Daisy. Thank you, Daisy. She's she's here in the home with me as I'm suffering through the uh, the process of uh, of figuring out <laughs> what to do. So and, and and it's often the input of those who are close to you who are there to support. That's infused in your work that sometimes is often not credited. So I don't want to leave that uh, leave that out and not state that, that she's actually the person who, who who brought it. And then I was like, yes. You know, and then Halo was able to send us the different versions and the acapella and everything was really just worked really beautifully together at the end of the film. And particularly 
with the, I think the most important image is when his song says, you know, when it ends with, you know, we can make it to the other side. And then you see the picture of Michael Brown Jr. I get, uh, I get emotional when I think about that because um, it, uh, you know, yeah, it just fits so perfectly with that. And, and particularly at the end to end the film with his image and to hear the song end at that point, there was an intention, I think, to offer some level of comfort to the family to say that, you know, yes, he's not alive, but, um, but he's made it to the other side and we can all sort of join him in, in the celebration of, of his, his making to the other side by stepping over to that side, you know, with him in a way, metaphorically, in our consciousness, in our commitment, you know, to community, in our, in our awareness. Um, I don't know, it just, it just had this, it, yeah, it was just this amazing sort of finish to the film that just said, you know, it's not over, right? Um, as Michael Brown says, but, but in, in a softer, you know, sort of gentler, more spiritual, transcendent way. And I think that, um, yeah, it just, it, it brought um, so much, I think, to that, to that part of the film that, uh, it's as though it was written for the film, even though it wasn't, right? Or maybe it was on a spiritual level. Yes, I guess it, it was. It was. It was on a spiritual level for sure. Exactly. In the wake of Michael Brown's death, I had written a, a song. It just came to me as a father and as a, a parent, and I wrote a song dedicated to all the parents of our fallen brothers and sisters, and I named it "Merry Christmas, Mr. Brown." That was the first line of the song because it just hurt me to think about the holiday coming up and how all of these families will be spending that holiday it's such a a stark and and powerful reminder when you when you think about it when you think about the holiday season of what people are losing when they lose their loved ones if what these police officers are taking from our communities you know there's so much power and potential that's lost, right? I think, um, you know, we don't know who Michael Brown Jr. could have been where he'd uh, still be alive, right? Granted, we, we all make mistakes, but um, but there has to be room to to transcend those mistakes. And, and really, um, there has to be the space and support given to youth in order for them to, um, to find the right paths. And I think rather than focusing on that, I think oftentimes our communities focus on punitive measures instead of supportive measures. And uh, and that's, I think, been the real tragedy of the situation, um, is that is that we're we're not looking to those solutions. Where I think Bell Hooks says it. She says, you know, there, there's a, there's a quote. I started a, a little small clothing line called Black Boys Need Love, and that I don't really push very much. But I had to start it because I heard this Bell Hooks quote, you know, 20 years ago or so, where she said, "Everybody talks about black boys need discipline, but nobody says black boys need love." And and I remember when she said it like 20 years ago or so. I remember hearing it from her and being shocked. And realizing, yeah, you're right. I've never heard anybody say say black boys need love. So I sort of created this clothing brand around that whole concept because, and, and it, it, it relates to the movie as well because it's 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 what's missing in the conversation, you know. And and by extension, black men need love, right? There's there's a, there's a sense that you need to you need to be hard, you need to man up, you need to do all these other things, and that's our society sort of pushes those themes, um, but but we forget that there's a soft a human side. Um, Forget, I guess some people re- react very negatively to the word soft, but um, I don't. Um, but, to the, you know, there's a human side that's often missing and left out. And, um, and this film uh, is about that. And this song, I think, you know, that Aloe created speaks to that, that side that, of, our, of our masculine selves that, that wants to protect, but also has, um, also has feelings and emotions that need to be respected, I guess, and, and understood. 
Well, both of you have done an amazing job. Mobilaji, certainly you have. Aloe, you are also a co-executive producer on the film. And I love how you've approached this process with your spirit and your intention behind this part of the journey with the film, being the marketing and the promotion of it. You've said it's important to be sensitive when it comes to publicity and marketing the film, and that there's a balance of compassion and staying focused on the big goals, hope, love, beauty, and not being disrespectful to the circumstances of what Ferguson Rises is essentially about. I'd like you to to talk a little bit about that, but I, I just personally, from what I saw at the screening in person and what I've been reading through interviews and your part in this process, it's just been beautiful and so important because you've really been making sure you keep that balance. Because it's hard when people are putting microphones in your face and you're answering questions, and, and but you've really just, the compassion has been upfront in everything that you do. Yes, it's so important to keep the, the dialogue around this film centered in the reality that Michael Brown Jr., was gunned down. And it's not a story that was written in Hollywood. It's not a script for a blockbuster film to show the scene over and over again on a commercial on television so you can go buy your tickets. That's not what this is. What this is, is the reality that quite often, you know, these Hollywood films are based on, but this is the reality. And we want to change the reality. We don't want to repeat it. We don't want to commercialize it. We don't want to glorify it. We want to transform it. And so we have to walk into the rooms and our conversations and our marketing efforts with this grounded and measured method of being as humble and honest as we can with the circumstances that are before us, that there is still a community grieving, that there is still tremendous amount of change that needs to happen in Ferguson and across many cities in the U.S., and that Michael Brown is no longer with us. Aloe Black noted, life goes on but it's important we don't repeat the same traumas over and over again. It's important that we make it to the other side of devastation and trauma where hope, love, and beauty are. The Other Side, Aloe Black's song for Ferguson Rises, offers a transcendent vision in the wake of Michael Brown's death. Aloe Black has said of his music, When I signed a major label contract, I recognized the power of having a larger audience, and I promised myself that I'd use my voice for social change. Mobilaji discovered the song. Aloe Black jokingly refers to the director and producer as also the musical supervisor for the film, which debuted nationally on PBS and is in contention as an Academy Award nominee in the Best Feature-Length Documentary category. And actually, it was the director's wife, Daisy, who uncovered Aloe's work of art. The varied choruses of perspective, redemption, and love healing are interwoven with an intimate portrayal of a Black father's grief 
and resilience, bearing witness to the human capacity to find purpose within pain. Thank you for listening to Here's to Life with Tori Reed, executive produced by Patrick Howell. We hope you've enjoyed today's show. Here's to Life with Tori Reed was brought to you in part by The Hilton Sacramento Art and West in Sacramento, California, is committed to creating a safe and relaxing experience, including delivery of a clean stay from check-in to check-out. Located a couple of exits from downtown Sacramento and California's capital, our hotel provides a world-class stay, amenities, and rooms at the center of the California experience. California is a world-class economy with visionaries, doers, and dream catchers at its heart. Our mission, as with Here's to Life and Getting Deals Done, is the highest possible expression of excellence, business moxie, humanity, and client care. As the world moves at a fast and sometimes hectic pace, we will provide you with a peace of mind. The Hilton Sacramento Art and West is here to make your experience a better one. We look forward to receiving you. I am Ginger Levert, Director of Sales and Marketing at the Hilton Sacramento Art and West. Our focus is on the customer experience and a pristine excellence. When you travel to Sacramento, stay with us and I guarantee your peace of mind. Check back with our page, here's to lifeeveryday.com, for new episodes every second and fourth Sunday of the month. And if you like this show, don't forget to hit subscribe and be sure to leave a comment, rate, or review wherever you're listening and share it if you can. So, here's to life today and every day. So long for now.